I've got a couple of verses I want us to begin with reading, continuing on, and as far as I know, this will conclude our thoughts on things that we carry with us. I'll briefly briefly mention this, all your tears are sealed up in the in the bottle that is all that come from a right heart for right motive for Christ honoring purpose all your tears are sealed up for your prayers they go they go with you your fellowship one with another, a book of remembrance was written. These that spake off one to another about the Lord. So we could expound using all those, but we'll, I think, conclude this morning. Beginning in Matthew 8. And there on, on the videos puts a little subtitle, and he asked me for it, and I told him, if all people see is that, then it might and probably will, if there are any out there that are listening and looking, and won't go any further into hearing, then even the under the subtitle they will have reason to shut it down because this just doesn't measure up to our thinking down here but lastly you will carry with you your identity and your personality Now give me time to explain that, I hope, clarify it somewhat, and set it before you. We'll read a verse in Matthew 8, and then in Matthew 22. bow with me as we seek the Lord. Our Father, this is called thy day. I truly believe that this is thy house. And here sits thy people. 
pray, I ask of thee, for thy spirit, in directing and delivering that which would be beneficial to their souls, that which would honor thee and exalt Christ. I ask thee, our Father, that you might help each. I know Satan can use our minds, and we can wander around the world and back sitting here, outwardly hearing, but not hearing. I pray you'd help each. And that not only for the hearer, but for the speaker, Father. So direct us. And give that which is needful to these, those that might later hear. For thy great namesake, we ask these things in Christ's name. Amen. Matthew chapter number 8, verse number 11. And I say unto you that many shall come from the east and west and shall sit down with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. Now Matthew 22, it's reads almost the same. That which you carry with you is the identity you had when you came into the world. And the personality that was developed over the years and a lifetime. Now both of these will be sanctified just as much as your memory will be. But you're going into heaven like you are physically. Matthew 22:32 I am the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob that's real people with the identity they had while traveling through this old land here God is not the God of the dead, our God, the God, is the God of the living. Now when I say your identity as you sit there, that is minus all ailments, all weaknesses you're going in 
a whole human being. Won't be any crippled children or adults in glory. Won't be any blind. But as you came into the world, so will you depart. Now there's much about that body after the resurrection, again I tell you, that is unknown. Seems as although as almost if no gravitational attraction had any force upon us. Christ walked through doors, closed doors. But now when you look at that newborn child, he or she is identified by the shape of their face, the color of their eyes, hair, or lack thereof, their facial features. That's the identity I'm talking about. Job said in chapter 19, Though after my flesh worms destroy this body, I mean, if the Lord tarries long enough, this old body of clay is going back to the dust of the earth. But he also made this statement, But in my flesh I shall see God. Now Christ spoke of Moses, I'm sorry, of Abraham, of Isaac, Jacob, we being able to sit down in the kingdom of heaven and converse with them. There are two others. Moses and Elijah. God buried Moses. Elijah did not go through physical death. Both appeared to the Lord Jesus and spoke to him about his decease. This is what death's going to be like. One of them could tell him about the physical death. And one of them could tell him, tell him about that life after physical death. Elijah didn't go through physical death. And Christ would, would but he would be raised the third day. And there he, therein, he could correspond with, relate to what Elijah was telling him. That's two literal men. Talking with our Lord Jesus there on that mount. Now every child has particular characteristics that makes them who they are. God didn't love faceless individuals. John mentioned the love of God in First John. Tim last week mentioned uh, the eternal love of God, the everlasting love of God. 
Now, if God's love is eternal, and surely it must be, as we've heard two Sundays now, then your being and your identity is eternal. Before you ever got a body, physically, God already had one designed for you. I've loved you with an everlasting love. You've seen, and I don't know, I don't know what children still do, but you've seen the elementary teacher fold up a piece of paper into several different folds and then begin cutting and, and she'd bring out a little chain of, of uh, paper dogs holding hands. But they had no face. They had no personality. God didn't love a faceless and a non-identity personality. God loved real living individuals. If that's not so, then that would be like an engaged couple that in six months or a year or a year and a half they plan on getting married. And they're, they're sitting talking one night and say, Don't you love our children? No, they don't. You can't love that which is not. They didn't have any children. They didn't know if they might be able to. They didn't know the identity or the personality if they did have children. So they, didn't, they don't sit down and talk about loving because they have nothing to love. They might love the idea of someday being a mom and someday being a dad. But you can't love that which isn't. So, before you ever got here, before God ever, ever made Adam and Eve, God loved you. And it was with an eternal love. And it was a love for that that you would be when He formed you. So the church, the living God, is as eternal as God Himself. She always has been. She always has been loved. And she always will be. Now, you may, you may get on to me for, for quoting Freud here a little bit. He's the father of modern day, day psychology, but he did have this right when he divided up the human personalities. 
He said, first of all, there is the end. And that is the biological or the inherited components of our personality that respond to instincts. Later on, the ego and the superego he identified will come into play. Now, most of all that he wrote and said, you can, you can discard it because he used cocaine, he advocated the use of cocaine to help memory and all this. So a lot that he wrote, he was un, it was under the influence of cocaine. But he did have a few things right. All that baby wants is his or her food, a clean diaper, when it gets a little bit bigger, to be able to play. And that child, the little toddler or the little three or four year old or five or six year old, is the closest that they will ever be to portraying who they really are. They're just themselves. They act like who they are. That's the simplest form. And the most honest form. Except you be converted and be like little children. Now as they get older, they'll start getting mad with one another because they don't get their way or because this or that happened to them. But I'm talking about that little one. Just beginning to run around and play with others his own age, her own age. That identity. Now as the child gets older, as we get older, we oftentimes want to hide our true self and our true feelings. And we want to impress folks. We do whatever is necessary to impress, never offend. We'll hug folks next and stick a knife in their back when they walk away. We can become very good at playing a role, a stage player, what Christ called hypocrites. Just mean as the devil out there when nobody's watching and nobody knows, or when you're away, when you're away from home and nobody knows who you are, you just mean as a devil. And then you come back and you you play a role. And you're kind, and you're loving, and you're, you're, you're generous to your spouse. And, and you walk in the church all smiles, and, and, and you walk away, and you fight all the way home. Now, I hope I'm not speaking to anybody here with that. But that goes on. Everywhere religious organizations meet today. Just stage players. Now, the identity that you have 
that little child was passed on to you by your parents' genes. And all that you are by birth and all your features. But that's the second cause. The primary cause, you being who you are, though God uses the genes of the parents, the primary cause is God made you according to the eternal identity He had for you before you ever got here. Abraham, over there in a heathen land serving idols, yet that man one day will be the father of faith. Isaac, Jacob, they inherited from their father and from their mother, but God is the one that formed them and fashioned them according to the identity He had for them before the world ever was. God said to Jeremiah, before I ever formed thee, before you ever came forth from your mother's womb, I knew thee, and I sanctified thee. Paul said, when it pleased God who separated me from my mother's womb, God said, I called you by my grace. But unlike Jeremiah, God would wait. And Saul would be trained under the finest educator that there was in Israel, Gamaliel. He'll go, he'll go to the best schools. And he'll come out as a zealous religious person for his father's religion. That's what he's been taught. But Paul said, the reason God didn't save me when he did the other disciples... He passed by me until later was that he might show forth his long suffering in me as a pattern. God could have been as easily saved Saul of Tarsus as he did Peter or John. But he left him alone until after his death and resurrection to show his long-suffering in Saul of Tarsus. Now the physical features of Saul will go into eternity. That which God worked in Paul, the spiritual works of God, will go into eternity. And as the years passed by, and the old nature of Saul was destroyed little by little. Remember God telling the children of Israel, He said, when you get into the land, He said, you're going to conquer it by degrees, just a little here and a little there. And you're not going to go in and, and destroy all these nations immediately. If you did, then the wild beast would come out and destroy you. 
So you're going to destroy these nations little by little so that the land will not be destroyed or overtaken by wild beasts. So God destroys in you little by little. Old religion, old habits, your old nature, until until one day Paul becomes the dominant one and Saul, his natural birth and natural identity is secondary and Paul becomes the one that is in charge or God sanctifying Paul God destroying Saul that's all it talks about I was in a shipwreck I stoned I was persecuted I suffered affliction from my own countrymen but God's in charge of all that and the purpose of, purpose of God in whatever comes your way is that these events aid in the development of that newborn creature within, thorn in Saul of Tarsus' flesh. But God put it there to sanctify, make him more usable, to keep him from being lifted up in pride and develop that newborn creature within. Now, folks, there is nothing sinful about your natural flesh. Nothing. Your hands, your feet, your eyes, nothing sinful. They can be used as such. Now, I know the verse, all that's in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. That didn't start in your hands, in your feet, in your eyes. That's only, that's only the old pot. That's holding the real you. Old flesh is just a piece of clay God molded into the shape of a human being and gave it its identity. But it's no more than that vase that's got a Beautiful arrangement of flowers within it. Or somebody has, has painted and decorated and fixed it as a beautiful vase. But it's, it, it, it has no feelings. It doesn't think. It's just there. Now that within the vase can be pretty. It can have a sweet aroma. Or that same vase can hold trash. 
decaying trash that puts off a putrefying odor. Your arms aren't sinful. Your feet, your flesh, skin, bone, pores in your skin. It's not sinful. You can use it as such. So that little child coming into the world with that, the simplicity of life, with the right training and discipline of parents, the little fella, the little, the little girl can one day become a useful, lovely member of society, but left to self can become rotten, spoiled, selfish, and if these things, if these things aren't, aren't corrected and, and continually disciplined by the parents, that little fellow or that little girl could one day become a very wicked person. But in the beginning, it was just a little boy and a little girl that liked playing. Just had a little body of flesh. But parents watching over know that the real person is within those blue eyes, brown hair, freckled face and as the years pass they begin to see the little fellows depraved honey you don't have to teach them to lie I don't know if a parent has ever taught a child Yet we all lied coming up. So it's you disciplining them, keeping them from having a free reign over their own life. But that what I'm telling you is, as you are sitting here, with that identity in the physical that's going with you. Now it may go back to dust prior, but that same body, if God raised you in a different body, that would be a recreation, a creation of that which has never been. And he's not going to do that. Your body. These eyes will see God. Be something to get close enough for these hands to handle him, wouldn't it? Wouldn't it be, and I hate this, I don't hate the word, but it's overuse in our day. But I use it. Wouldn't it be 
my beyond awesome for these feet to walk up to and these knees to bow before the Lord Jesus. You still in Matthew Matthew chapter six. Exert your minds a little bit now. Call your attention into play. Matthew six twenty five. Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life. For you shall eat, drink, nor yet for your body. That's the physical man. Whatever you're going to put on. Don't be anxious about all these things. Now listen. Your life is not the life more than meat and the body than raiment. There is your physical life. You gotta eat, you gotta drink, you gotta dress. But the most important part of you is that life within. That's what you should give thought to. That's what you should be most anxious about adorning that man within looking like acting like speaking like Christ that means two things got to be in your life death and resurrection Dying daily, fixed to a cross and carry about, and yet at the same time that you are dying, being raised to newness of life, to a realm beyond this whole world, get your feet off the ground. And your mind above the earth. And get concerned about that which you claim God has done within. And that's create a new being. One other in Hebrews chapter number 10.
Hebrews chapter number 10, verse number 5. Wherefore, when he cometh into the world, that's our Lord, he saith, Sacrifice and offerings thou wouldest not. All that's been done in the old economy by Israel in their approach to God, God didn't delight in their sacrifices. It's what Samuel told Saul. You think, you think God's as well pleased with your sacrifice as He is with your obedience? Jesus coming into the world, he's saying to his father, Sacrifice and offerings thou wouldest not. That didn't satisfy God. That didn't put away sin. That didn't, that didn't do away with one single sin. Because the high priest had to keep going back into the, into the tabernacle once a year, or into the holy place once a year with blood. But, now listen, but a body hast thou prepared for me. Now, if you, can, if you can get here mentally, the body and the me are two different entities. I hope that's right. Right word. There is the physical body of Christ, but that body is just a piece of clay that originated from his mother Mary, but that within that house is he who had always been. So the me is the eternal God in a body of flesh. Philip said, when the Lord said, I'm the way, the truth, and life, I'm the light, I'm all these things. Philip said, show us the Father, and it, that'll satisfy every one of us. And Christ said, Philip, have I been so long time with you, and you've not known me? If you had known me, you should have known my Father. I and my Father are one. Now fix this. It'll get to you. It'll get create a sore head trying to think about it. I am in my Father, and my Father is in me. Or in John 3, Christ talking to Nicodemus. He's talking about the Son of God. And he said, who is in heaven? And Nicodemus is looking him in the face. Philip, if you, if you knew who I was, you would know my father. The Pharisees are all religious folk all looking at him and say, well, we know whence he came. That's the carpenter's son. We know his brothers and we know his sisters. All they saw was the physical frame. 
5'10", 5'11", 5'7", whatever his height was, whatever the color of his eyes or hair, that's all they saw. They never knew that they were looking at God. They couldn't get beyond the physical. Christ said, no man knows me. The only one that knows me is my Father. The only one that knows my Father is me. And if anybody ever knows my Father, or anybody ever knows me, it'll be, it'll be because they've been introduced to me by my Father. If you ever know my Father, it'll be because I introduce you to Him. Philip, I and my Father are one. One time later, or previous, Peter said, Thou art the Christ. Jesus said, Blessed are thine eyes, Simon Jonah. Blessed God has given you eyes to see and the heart to know that I am the Christ. You see, for Christ was in a house of clay, as is that God is working in your house of clay. Your house of clay will follow you. I don't know how soon after death that will be determined by the length of time between your death and Christ's return. For the dead shall rise first. Now, folks, if you had the power to determine everything about your child before they came into the world, are you going to say your children? Every one of them would be different. Each would have his or her own identity. And they did, didn't they? Moms and dads that have raised got little ones. And each child has got little things in their personality that stand out to you. Over 7 billion people on the earth. How many billions upon billions of people have been here since Adam and Eve? And yet there's never been two alike. Never. It just seems, looking at creation, that God has a love for diversity, variety, all the species. There are 1.2 million identified species known in the world 1.2 million and and scientists believe that that is only about 14% of all the species on earth the big tsunami that hit several years back washed up 70 something or 80 something species that scientists did not know existed God's got a love Look at all the little birds out there. 
blue jays and the mockingbirds and the redbirds and the bluebirds and the hummingbirds and the wrens all different from the worm that, that aids the farmer's soil burying itself within and digging throughout to aerate the soil God made it but not only from that little worm that will never be seen by man to the giant whales playing over time over a time from the little ant that crawls the only way it can get off the ground is a strong wind or, or you pick it up or it crawls on something that you pick up. From the little ant whose abode is under the earth to the giant eagle that climbs to the highest mountain peak. That's God in creation. Each of your children has things in their personality that you want to care for as a delicate flower. You want to nourish it. You want to see that become a dominant force in their life. And then there are things in all of them's personalities that you want to see diminish over time. You don't want that to be which identifies them as a human being. So as all the diversity in animals, creation, plants, no two of God's children are alike. Yet when God's work is finished, and we see God in this old flesh with this identity that He's perfected and purified, His work's complete. Though none of us will look alike, all of us will act alike. And the greatest unity there will ever be it's when all these different personalities and yet with one heart blending in to sing praises to the Lamb of God. Death will not destroy your identity as a human being, but it will bring to completion the work of God that your hands don't know anything about, your feet don't know anything about. Neither your eyes. But it's just a work God began in your old body of clay. And in grace and in mercy, God's been weeding out that little garden called your heart. So that what you had therein as a child of Adam, God keeps you busy keeping your heart. That nothing therein will 
grow up to destroy the seed of the Spirit of God. So love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. All the seeds of the Spirit of God sown in that new heart. They'll all come to fruition and they'll all bear fruit. Did you get that? Everything God planted within will bear fruit. Everything. You're living in a society where the work of God, if there is any taking place, it's in the secrecy of your own heart because it's not in the public anymore. No conviction, no dealings of God in the public. It's you by yourself. And everything in you inherited by, by first birth, derived from the fallen nature, God will see that it does not grow up. I told you before, one of the old Puritans said, Every seed of are the seed of every sin of all the damned in hell is in my heart. The seed of every sin. But in the child of God, it will not become a driving force of their life. Hebrews 12, laying aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset you. I won't ask you to turn, I'm running out of time, but go home and read, read that whole chapter of Jude, especially verse number 15. And I'll leave you with this, all that God foreknew. You'll go and you sit down in the kingdom with Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. They've got that identity they had. Now, I do not know how the disciples recognized Moses and Elijah on the mount. By their words, or as Christ said, that's Moses and Elijah. But that's the two that were on earth. And you sit down in the kingdom with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Then... Though all the diversity that is within every child of God as far as, as, far as our, our identity, yet we blend together as one, one being, one body, because God predestined you to be conformed to the image of His Son. And when God saves an individual, He does not destroy who you are as far as a piece of clay. And you know that every fallen man and woman, even in our fallen nature, 
we still bear somewhat of the image of God. When God saved Abram, and he gave him a new body, when God carried him to heaven, where they buried the old body, but that body would be raised. And that Abraham, that over the years and years of walking with God, would be in glory. So God won't destroy. I mean, you might have a thorn in the flesh, you may be afflicted in body. Many of God's children are. But God will raise that body perfectly whole and healthy. But when God births you, He begins to destroy your actions, your likeness, your birth traits to Adam. That's within all our fallen nature, all the hearts of our fallen nature. You're going like you are. That which will enhance glory is the reunion of a departed soul that left you when you took your last breath. Lord, you got loved ones in glory, but they're not there in body. But one day the body will be reunited with the Spirit, and that will enhance heaven. May the Lord grant all of us. A greater determination and spiritual worth, work ethic that we might adorn the doctrines of Christ by our actions, our words, our thinking. Lord help us and Lord bless you.